reports. And Vegas upgrades the 49ers after reports emerge that San Francisco is optimistic that Jimmy Garoppolo will play in week 18 against the Rams. All that and more coming up next full hour of the Vegas Truth right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. That's right, A.J. Hoffman, live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Uh, interesting day in the NFL as we, we narrow it down to the haves and have-nots. And last night was a pretty clear example. And one of the wildest line moves, like line move games of the season, I think, at least in games where there wasn't a, a, a massive name announced out the last minute or something like that. But the Steelers, three-point dogs, then the Steelers have motivation now because the Steelers, the 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 Browns can't make the playoffs. Well, now Steelers three-point favorites. So, massive shift. Six points, three on both sides. And then after our show yesterday, in the two hours between our show and kickoff, money pushes back on the bre- – imagine how you feel last night if you said, you know what, I'm going to make a, a line-moving bet on the Cleveland Browns tonight. I think there's just too much respect given to the Steelers here. And then you get that performance out of the Cleveland Browns. Maybe one of the worst performances that they've had in a season full of dreadful ones. Baker Mayfield, I guess we'll we'll say it right out of the gate. We got a, a best bet winner on under 222 and a half passing yards. Coaching. Yeah. He brings absolutely nothing last night. And we said this yesterday when when we were discussing this best bet. Why are they even playing him? If, If what we've heard all year, if the explanation, the way to, you know, make it seem like it's not that bad, but Baker's he's gonna be okay. If that's your if that's your whole deal this this whole season, which it has been for the Browns, every time Baker struggled, the Baker defenders have run up with their Captain America shields and said, "No, Baker's hurt. This isn't the real Baker." Okay, it, it but he's he's gutty. Baker's gutting it out. He's trying trying to to will this team to the playoffs, even though he's so banged up, then why did he even play last night when he knew that they there was no chance for the Browns to make the playoffs? We said that yesterday before the game. He has a performance that you would have to describe as... Um, Big Ben-esque? No, I, I think Big Ben... <laughs> Big Ben's performance last night greater than... 
Baker Mayfields, right? You'd have to say he got the win. Uh, he got the win, and uh, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to say that that Ben had a good game with his 11.9 QBR. Is this McKenzie? You you could probably look this up quickly. Has it ever? Has anyone ever had 46 pass attempts in an NFL game and had 123 yards or fewer? Like, no, nope, never happened. First time in history. Big Ben last night. That's pretty unbelievable. There's been two other times where someone had 40 attempts and under 130 yards. Carson Palmer and <laughs> Jesse Palmer, 10 years before him. But three times in the history of the NFL, someone throwed 40 times plus and thrown for as few yards as Roethlisberger and never 45 times and under 130. Uh, congratulations, Ben. You made history last night. <laughs> like Kobe. Yeah, and it's funny that Ben is... I guess he's made the full Kobe recovery, right? Like young career accusations of misconduct, and he's publicly maligned for a while. But then, eventually, like you saw last night at the end of that game, it's like, wow, Big Ben, what a career! And it felt like everyone was like non-Steeler fans were getting emotional, like, oh man. I'm going to miss Big Ben all of it. And it's like, man, that's it's pretty wild to think that I guess it, if you can play long enough after your mistake, people will forgive it. And uh, and good, good for Ben, who I, I think Ben is in a weird spot because I think Ben pretty much knows that the Steelers aren't going to make the playoffs. But and he wants to just talk about like all his emotions and oh, it's such a great feeling to be in this place in Heinz Field where the fans are so wonderful and the best franchise, best fans. Oh yeah, we've got a game next week too. We got to go out and win that game so we can make the playoffs. He doesn't care about that game next week. That game last night, that was the big game for him, and uh, it's you know I, I guess it's there's still like I said a, a possibility. If, if you think somehow the Jags are going to win a football game. And that, I thought that was funny last night on the broadcast when they're like, hey, the Steelers aren't out of this. All they need is a win next week and a Jaguars win over the Colts. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's just salt in the wound of Steelers. And the Chargers fan. game can't end in a tie. Uh, yeah, I can't have that either. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all none of those things seem likely. But <laughs> all I know is Ben goes off on a much higher note than Baker Mayfield. And now Baker Mayfield they announced today, is going to have season-ending surgery. And this is the deal with Baker. And I, I've said on this show before, I've said on my show, I said on my show before I, I got here to Vegas, I said on my show in Houston, but I don't believe Baker Mayfield is the long-term solution for the Browns at quarterback. The Browns are so desperate to find the long-term solution. Browns fans are so desperate to find a long-term solution that they kind of put lipstick on a pig in ways and say, oh, he's, he's great. He's going to be fine. When you watch this, it's like he's just not good. And they're committed to him for next year. The fifth-year option's been picked up. But this is the offseason where you make the decision. Are we going to put Baker Mayfield on a second contract? And... Again, Baker Mayfield, to me, feels like a really good backup quarterback. Like, I, I'd like to have Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, to me, feels like Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy is the kind of guy who, if he's your starter, you pretty much know how the season's going to go. It ain't going to be great. 
But if he's your backup and your starter gets hurt and Colt McCoy's got the reins for two or three games in the season, you feel like he can win two out of three or, or at least one out of three and you'll be okay. I kind of think that's what Baker Mayfield is. The question is, are the Browns willing to take a gamble and say, we don't think you're it? We're gonna we're gonna ride it out in this fifth year, and I I think a, another good example of someone who's in this boat is Sam Darnold right now, and obviously Baker Mayfield's shown more than Sam Darnold has, but they're both guys who have had their fifth year options picked up. Darnold's almost inexplicably. You could at least make a case for why the the Browns wanted to pick up Baker Mayfield's after last season, but neither one of these teams, the Browns or the Panthers can possibly feel great about where they're at you know going into the last season of their deal and obviously you want to have some sort of a a backup plan and Case Keenum is a guy who kind of is in that same boat of a guy who you feel good about him if he's your backup but Case Keenum's not a long-term answer for the Browns. Just like in in Carolina, there's there's not like Cam Newton's not the long-term answer. Certainly, PJ Walker's certainly not the long-term answer. So you have to make a decision on what you do going forward. And for the Browns, it becomes more difficult because they were they thought that they had the guy, so it seemed like in advance finding the guy didn't make any sense. Now I think you have to realize he's not the guy and here's probably the worst part of it. The Browns are now 7 and 9. So you're not going to have a top draft pick. You're not going to have a crack at one of these guys. I guess there's options out there you can you you know, you could go out and maybe you take a chance on a guy like Deshaun Watson. Of course, there's definite downside to that as well. Not so much on the field, although a year of rust it can't be great. Uh, you know, maybe Derek Carr. Maybe the Raiders are ready to move on from Derek Carr, and maybe he can he can be that guy. But either way, it's going to take a it's going to take a commitment to get those guys. And a guy like Derek Carr or a guy like Deshaun Watson, those are going to cost you first round picks anyway. So now you're going to have to you're going to have to give a first round pick and or more and pay top top tier quarterback money which I, I i guess that's not ideal but i think it's certainly a better idea than paying baker mayfield even second tier money because if you pay baker mayfield <sighs> mckenzie give me give me a, a check right now on who the the top 10 quarterbacks are Next year, who, who like in 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 terms of uh, payroll, like who who are the top ten salary cap hits? Because you, I mean, you have to assume anybody who signs a long term quarterback contract right now is going to get top ten money. And it, if you're paying Baker Mayfield like one of the top ten guys right now, you're making a mistake because the top ten guys. They're all better. They're all better than him, and that includes Matt Ryan. Who Matt Ryan's probably not going to play for the Falcons next year, if I if I had to guess. But not for forty nine million like uh, he's slated to. No, but <laughs> look at this list, and and Jared Goff's kind of in the same boat. Also in that top ten, will probably not be paying for what what the asking price is. 
Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Are you going to pay him that kind of money? What's the what's the hit on number ten? What's the hit on Wentz? Twenty nine million for Wentz. Fifth year option is nineteen million, but obviously long term contracts start in the thirties. And think about this: what's kept the what's kept the Browns competitive this year is their non quarterback roster. That's it, right? No doubt. Because the quarterback play has been so abysmal. The only thing you can look at is say, wow, Miles Garrett's been this good. Nick Chubb is this good. Now, granted, there are guys, and here's the other downside of that. Who are their, who are their wide receiver threats now? Who, who are, who's the guy on the outside who's going to make big plays? Clearly, Jarvis Landry is no longer a top-tier receiver. Odell Beckham's gone. Are you going to just assume Peoples Jones is going to be your number one wide receiver going forward? Because that's not going to make Baker better going forward. And and if you pay Baker, all it does is hurt the rest of your roster. All it does is make it more difficult to keep that roster around him. And we've seen this before. We've talked about it before. When you pay a quarterback that kind of money, it's hard to keep the team around them. The Seahawks are a great example because the Seahawks were were so great when Russell Wilson was on a rookie contract. When Russell Wilson got paid and all those guys were they're like, well, what about us? It's our turn. They're like, well, we can't afford to pay you, friend. We paid Russell Wilson. It's hard to keep that team together. You pay Baker Mayfield. And now Miles Garrett comes up or Nick Chubb comes up and you're like, well, we don't have money to pay him because now we've paid Baker. It just puts you in a bad situation going forward. So I think that the Browns realized last night, if they hadn't realized already, that they're just in an awful spot with this. And I don't know yet if Kevin Stefanski was a phony coach of the year. I certainly don't think Kevin, like watching that game last night, you can't possibly think Kevin Stefanski's some top tier NFL coach. Uh, I, I, I get it. He won a he won an award that says he was the best coach of the year. If you, if you really think he's one of the the ten or so best guys, good luck. Maybe maybe RJ was just just around the corner. I believe he is ready. To go, but keep going, AJ. Well, all right. I'll, I'll uh, actually. What we'll do is we'll go. We'll take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at what's going on with the playoff race in the AFC. Who is, who's alive, who's not? What are the scenarios? I want to talk about the Raiders a little bit. I know they're an underdog this weekend, but I think you have to loud Derek Carr for what he's done this year because the the Raiders really there's no reason the Raiders should be alive at this point in the season other than Derek Carr uh we'll talk about all that and more coming up next and I'm AJ Hoffman this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio Straight out of Vegas! be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app I 
I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm AJ Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at the Las Vegas Raiders getting ready to basically take on the, the Chargers in a playoff game for all intents and purposes uh, in what is really an unbelievable turnaround to their season. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You, This is going to be nerve-wracking for you, AJ. I mean, you love the Chargers. And, I mean, the Raiders, a, a team that fights hard, that, that, you know, they've had a lot of adversity. And then you've got the, the pinup boy at quarterback. I mean, I don't know. I, are you going to be honest about how important this game is to you? Uh, let me say this about the Chargers. I love the Chargers like a guy loves his wife who's cheated on him multiple times. And, I, like, I, I feel like I'm just stuck. I don't have a way out because I can't afford the alimony. I can't afford child support. But so I'm just I'm there. I, I I feel like I've committed and I'm just riding it out. Though I'm really not happy to be attached to this Chargers football team at this point. You know I'm very. It's very rare for me to be speechless, thinking that's exactly the right thing to say. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say kudos, AJ. That's it's one of the reasons we're the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus. And we really appreciate that support. And you're going to keep getting stuff like that from AJ. And, uh, well, I mean, what more can you say? <laughs> you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas here in Vegas on the Strip. 55 degrees. The neon is flowing. All right, RJ. The Raiders, three-point home dogs to the Chargers. Unbelievably, though, the Raiders, when they were 6-7 and seven after Week 14, had a 5% chance to make the playoffs. And here they are, one upset, one small upset away from making the playoffs. Well, no, but wouldn't you have said way back when they were 5%, the Raiders, that, you know, why, why would this team even be, you know, trying too hard? Maybe they should be going for a draft choice. It, to me, every year there's going to be some situation if you just – I mean, think about college football in Alabama for a minute and think about what what against Auburn. Were, were they down 10 in that game, Lay? Or uh, what was their worst spot in that game? Uh, they were down 10, yep. Okay. At that they point – They were down seven with, with a minute to go. All right, so a minute to go. At that point, if someone would have turned to you and said, oh, Alabama's going to win the national championship – what would you have said? I would have said that seems really unlikely at this point. <laughs> every, every year, there's going to be time in, in, in most major sports that there's a team in a spot that is so different, like that's more 100 to 1 or more from where they end up. That that's To me, that's one of the beauties of sports, but it's also – one of the main flaws of the quote-unquote math guys that sit down and, and, and they're explaining why teams should be putting energy in, why they should maybe be trying to tank. I love it. I love when an underdog, especially with tenacity, comes back. And, I mean, I look at the Raiders and say Vegas has a certain reputation, and that's not one for hard work and tenacity. Um, maybe hard nights, <laughs> but but to me, this Raiders team and I think Derek Carr really represent that. And and let me ask you first before we get to Derek Carr, do you see why the calculations 
are not the way to approach sports the way that some commentators like to do it. Oh, certainly. Because after week 14, when they, you know, when they were at that 5% and you said they had losses to the Bears, the Giants, and the football team, you would have said, at this point, what you're wasting your time. It's bet- you're better off just finishing this season out, you know, getting as good of a draft pick as you can. But the Raiders said no, especially after everything the Raiders had been through. No one would say a word about the Raiders' season falling apart because they had every excuse for it to fall apart. I mean, and and I think it it bears in mind most people listening to a sports talk show are going to have that that the list of things, um, you know, fairly clear in their head. But but I think it bears repeating without being overly dramatic. And and please do this for me is take off. Like if if someone woke up from a long sleep, you know, they, they or they left the country and didn't have Internet in July, you know, rank those adversities for this team. Well, obviously, John Gruden being uh, removed as the head coach, even though obviously Davis did not want to get rid of him. The pressure became so intense that I mean, the, John- the, the first time I went to uh, can you recall a time an NFL coach was forced out due to uh, the league, due to public perception, you know, not in any way saying that. Gruden's actions were fine, but to say when has a coach done something so egregious that it wasn't the owner's decision to retain him? I I don't remember a situation. I don't either. So, I mean, I guess I think there were time uh, one time in the 60s that a coach maybe was suspended for there was something about gambling. I don't even know if that I know there was uh, Green Bay, but obviously Lombardi didn't have a trouble in that spot. I think Horning was the guy. But like we're talking about something that maybe happens every 50 years, maybe doesn't. Right. That, That rare. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, Henry Ruggs, who is their young wide receiver, their number one wide receiver, a blossoming star first round draft pick. It kills a woman with his car, allegedly kills a woman. I guess he still hasn't been convicted. Well, he, obviously, and not to be, you know, obviously that's a serious matter. The, the woman is dead. The question is what the yes. cause and effect was. Yeah. Yeah. And he's out of the league now. So they go the rest of the season without him. And, and that so, left. so let me jump in a second, because those two things, if you would have said in July, if you would have said, OK, the Raiders who were as attached to Gruden as any coach, you know, I mean, right up there with the, of any coach that didn't have any great success, because obviously if you're a coach, it's, you know, Belichick. Yeah, you're attached to the Patriots, no doubt about it. But Gruden hasn't won a title this go, you know, didn't win a title this go around with the Raiders. So his standing popularity wise, but also, the power within the organization, one of the most powerful coaches up until his departure of any in the NFL and amongst those that hasn't won yet would have been right at the top of that list. So losing your coach is one thing, but a very important coach for the team, not to mention that relationship as a mentor with the quarterback, Carr, I mean, losing your coach, big law, or at least a big disruption for the Raiders. And then you think about Ruggs. Yeah, it's one thing to lose your best receiver, the guy that took the top off the defense, the guy that was the deep threat. But to have it be a guy that you lived with and worked with for, for um, you know, 
a, a season plus, and then that person isn't just out. It's not even, oh, he had a catastrophic knee injury, which would be sad. It's he's probably, by all accounts, going to spend decades and decades in jail. It, 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 it's almost, you know, it's... It, it's like doubly, like if you said in one case you lose the receiver and everything's fine. So let's say uh, Ryan Shazier, let's say, uh, wouldn't be everything's fine, would be the next level where uh, the linebacker for the Steelers, um, where he's hurt, he's out for his career, but he's he's got some physical ailment, but he fights his way back and now he's doing fine. I mean, think of the spectrum of all the things that could happen all the way up to... Well, the worst would be, in theory, that person, the player dying. But like right before that is that player is going to be in jail for maybe the rest of his life. Emotionally, that's it seems like it's doubly as big. It's what happened on the field with him not being there anymore, Ruggs, but also the, the suddenness and, and the severity of the rest of his life. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, I don't want to diminish this, but it's almost like finding out one of your young teammates has cancer and like or something like that. It's just and, it's, and it's, even if the even if the teammate smoked three packs a day, and you could say he did, you know, hey, maybe he did something to kind of bring know, it on himself. Yeah, but but it still doesn't change at that you know that that you you hate the fact that someone else got hurt, but you also hate the fact that this guy is losing his a lot of his life in some ways. Yeah, and then they go the last five weeks without Darren Waller, who was their best remaining weapon. He's been hurt. And then you find out after the game this weekend, their rookie cornerback, Nate Hobbs, who's a top 10 corner per PFF, got arrested for DUI, which is almost unbelievable after you hear what happened to Henry Ruggs, that you would that a teammate would get arrested the same year for DUI. It, it, it just seems like just you think everybody would be minding their P's and Q's at that point or, or at least see the downside to, to driving after something like this. But now they're, they're even further up against it going into this winner-take-all matchup with the Chargers. And, um, you know, I'm not great. Once the player doesn't get to the all-pro level, I'm not great with the names. Is They had their first-round pick that with, with flashing gang signs on Instagram. Yeah. Damon uh, Arnett. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that that one doesn't make the list – Right. And and gets <laughs> and it ends up getting cut. I mean, you know, so um, a lot. Here's the thing that people aren't talking about as much. And it's kind of the elephant. It's the neon elephant in the room, which is how much of this has to do with the city of Las Vegas. Because if you would have asked someone five years ago, hey, we're thinking about or they're thinking about a team in the NFL uh, in Vegas do you think it's going to be a problem? What a lot of people would have said was the temptation. I mean, look at UNLV uh, under Tarkanian. This was a team that was pretty wild, you know? And if you're the type of player in college, now this isn't really the case anymore that likes the nightlife, that likes to party, and you got a choice between um, City X or Vegas, you're probably coming to Vegas. So you're going to attract a certain type of player you would think in college. Though, again, that hasn't been the case. And I'm using college as an example where the player has the choice. And I guess you have free agency, you have the choice in the NFL. But 
this is Vegas. And is it a coincidence that there's DUIs, that there's, uh, you know, problems with drinking and driving or, or extreme actions at three in the morning, like with rugs? I mean, AJ, you used to be a Vegas visitor. And then just this past, like August, you moved here. You're probably uniquely qualified to kind of comment on like how, what kind of effect a city like Vegas, there is no city like Vegas, would have. So I want to get your thoughts on that. But first, be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Do you? Fox Sports Radio. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Okay, AJ. So that's the question is do we look at this as saying, oh, it's coincidental, the Raiders and Vegas? Or do we say, hey, this city that we are in right now had something to do with it? I think that Vegas is one of maybe three or so cities where it feels like it's it's always awake. There's always action happening. But it I don't feel like that gives it any more of an excuse or there's any it, you whoa, know. Whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying excuses. I'm not. What I'm saying is, is it a factor if you were handicapping or let's say next summer, you're handicapping next season's NFL. Do you have any accounting for, hey, the Raiders probably lose one more player to some event like this next year than the average team? Is it something that's not excused, but expected? Is it something that that makes sense? Right. I guess it, when I, I think about Henry Ruggs leaving Top Golf, like had had Henry Ruggs been leaving the Bellagio? Well, but say, listen, but any it, any given case might have nothing to do with the city. But if if I said and, and, and obviously you're the skeptic here, so let me ask you the question. If you add up the incidents in which the nightlife had something to do with, because if you're just out at three in the morning anyway, like there's some cities that doesn't make it in Green Bay, you're not going to be out at that right. time, right? Drinking. So to act like, yeah, just because he was at Top Golf, it, it had nothing to do with, like, this is a nighttime town, this is a party town. You know, I don't know. But, but but what I know is that how many people across the whole league got put on the shelf that aren't playing because of nightlife? And are the Raiders more than one thirty second of that? And yes. And it, it, and now you got the biggest party city in the country. Is that a coincidence? Is that really the case you're making? I mean, I, it certainly has to play a factor. I, yeah. I, I feel, you know, and okay. I, I don't I don't know that that's, you know, it's something that they should have looked at when they said we're going to move a franchise there. I think that's unfair to the city of Las no, I Vegas. Didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm just saying let's, you know, we got to talk honestly, as we always do. And, I mean, this is – you've had a lot of draw. If I would have told you when they announced the Raiders were getting this team or Vegas was getting the Raiders, if I would have said, okay, in year two, these following things are going to happen in a six-month period. You'd be like, man, that's about worst case, isn't it? I mean, that... Yes. So, I don't hear people talking as much about that, and I think it bears repeating. Now, in theory, the Raiders could end up, like, demanding quality people, as in they won't take a guy who's questionable character, not just lip service, but they actually do it, and maybe that would help the team, or maybe it hurts them, because they're not getting marginal players that, that... could make it somewhere 
and not make it anywhere else, you know, or not make it in Vegas, though. And you got to wonder if free agents are going to, like, you're going to attract the wrong ones and maybe not attract the right ones because this city, it's almost like a party school in college. You know how there's a that state school that's the party school, and it, hurt, it helps them with some students, but it hurts them with others. Last sure. word. No, I agree with you. I do, especially with free agency. It may attract the wrong kind of free agents. But I, you asked me when I moved here, what like, and I'm specifically, you know, able to talk about this. I will say I've I've got every chance to go out or every chance not to go out, and it's all about the decisions that the individual makes. It's not. Oh, it's, okay, pops. I, uh, the, you're 41 <laughs> years old. You have a shaved head. I mean, at some point, let's you know, let's not act like we're NFL players. All right, we're gonna take our final break. <laughs> when we come back. You've all been waiting for it. San Francisco, we got Mackenzie Rivers and his love of Cousin Kyle's team and really more of Trey Lance. What did he think of this performance and what does he think? Should Jimmy G come back? He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, Hoppin, let's take a look at the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams, one of the biggest matchups of the weekend. The 49ers now upgraded to three-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Rams with the news that Jimmy G, uh, they are optimistic about him playing this week. Yeah, Jimmy G upgraded, the 49ers upgraded. That means that there's an implicit downgrade for Trey Lance. Now, <laughs> the people who listen uh, to the show often – know that our producer, Mackenzie Rivers, who is 30, 39, Mackenzie? 32 years old. 32. No, 31. 30, 31. Oh, 31. Doesn't even know. <laughs> he doesn't even know. And, and it may seem surprising, but just about a month ago, he took Yale, his, gra- his school he graduated from, off as the number one thing in his Twitter bio. So imagine AJ being 31 and the number one thing in your bio is the college you went to a decade ago. <laughs> so, one, it's great. But what he wanted to put in his bio, but he didn't know how to do it, is that he's first cousins with Kyle Shanahan. Uncle Mike Shanahan is uncle. So, this guy loves the Shanahans. I mean, it's family. You get it. But he'll get depressed. Sometimes you're thinking, he's not doing that bad at work. And, but then he like, oh, no, the 49ers lost like, lost like a left tackle like in practice. or so. And he's all upset. I mean, it, it's a lot of emotional commitment, wouldn't you say, AJ? It seems like it would be. I mean, I'm saying with, with looking at McKenzie, that doesn't it seem like he lives and dies with it? Uh, yeah, and it seems like it would be exhausting for McKenzie, but he just seems to just power through it. Well, yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. His most insane position he's had has been his continued belief in Trey Lance. I mean, we had an ongoing bit. He didn't think it was a bit, but it was a bit where we asked him to rank quarterbacks. In fact, we're going to redo it right now is of rookie quarterbacks. And I'm going to let him have a minute. I don't want him to just default to something goofy or as goofy as what he's done historically with this. But we're going to ask him in about 30 seconds is 
rank the rookie quarterbacks by who you'd like to have if you were a GM. And he had Trey Lance number one, like until like two weeks ago. <laughs> AJ, what did you? We're gonna ask Mackenzie in a second. AJ, what did you think of Trey Lance's performance in the game last? I week? thought it was. I thought it was pretty bad against a, a, a bad Texans team, uh, and especially in the first half, it looked like maybe he started to piece things together after the after the halftime break, but. Against that team, you would expect a better performance if this is really the guy. Now, you've got a bet on Texans over under four and a half wins. You went under, and at halftime, it looked like they were going to get, or at least there was a chance they would get their fifth win and beat you. You're from Houston. You and the Texans have a very adversarial relationship where you had your press pass revoked down there. <laughs> I mean, you did. I, right, right or wrong. It's, One it's year right. you had the press pass. The next year you didn't. Correct? Correct. And you were the programming director and on-air talent for the biggest sports radio station in Houston. Correct? Correct. All right. I mean, what more? You really <laughs> want to tell a story beyond that? That there, that there was, that wasn't a real contention with you and the Texans. There is contention with me and the Texans, I would uh, say. So you bet against them every chance you get. When I, no, I wouldn't say that, but I, I do find myself against them a lot more than I'm with them. All right. So speaking of irrational hate and love, Mackenzie, quickly, no fanfare. Give me your list from the quarterback you'd like to have most on your team, the least amongst the rookies. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, Zach Wilson. I didn't. Once I heard Trey Lance second, my mind went blank. <laughs> I, I, I mean, who would you have second? No one else is good. Here's my question: How does Justin Fields work his way ahead of anybody on this list? See, I, AJ, was bad last game. You're actually in the minority there. I would say of all the quarterbacks, let's take Mac Jones out of it. Is is by far Fields has the the most support behind him amongst the intelligent analytics people. I guess that's fair. I, I like him more than I, I think. I don't want to say I like him more than most, but I certainly wouldn't have had. Well, you him probably do this this uh, very underwhelming uh, group. And let me say this finally: is I agree with the Fields thing in the following way. You can close your eyes and and twist your eyes and think maybe just maybe if I, if everything fell right, you could see Fields being a good quarterback in this league. I'm not sure you can even do that yet with Trevor Lawrence. But anyway, I I went a whole two days without killing Trevor, so that's a good good way to end the show. If you missed any of today's show, including an interesting discussion about where the Raiders should be and where they they are and how much of that credit goes to Derek Carr, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. Get ready to preview all the NFL games for the weekend. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Huffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 